You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Happy snow-laden day. Yes! Oh, I'm glad you brought it up because I was determined to if you didn't. (laughs) And here we are. Yeah. So, I mean, not only is it a miracle that we get to record finally. Yes. We've really had some setbacks in our schedule. But when I came here this morning, not only were the roads super drivable, but it was like the perfect scenery. Just white trees as far as the eye could see. It was Mm -hmm. so beautiful. Yeah, you get those evergreen trees that get laden with snow. And I feel like I should be driving into Narnia. Yeah. I mean, like driving through uh, on 57, there's a lot, a lot of trees that line the road. So it's just this canopy. This yeah. canopy of snow branches. Forget uh, the deer walking out. No, fawn. Mr. Tum- <laughs> it's Mr. Tumnus with his brown parcel package. I'm about to be hit by a car. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's a twist. Yeah, that would be. That would be quite a twist. <laughs> so, yeah, but we're finally back here. Yeah. That's, uh, depending on where this ends up falling in our release schedule, it may be not snowy at all. So that will be, <laughs> that will be fun for those who are listening. But as of this recording, yeah, we've had back-to-back snowy weeks. Yeah. And... It's been, it's been a crazy. It's been a trip, all right. It has been, but a pretty one at least, and that that makes the difference. Ah, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know. What I thought you I were going to really... do the line like, and that makes all the difference. That's well, um, like what is that? This Robert Frost, right? And that has made all the difference. Yeah, boy in his yellow wood. Yeah, and got real tired two, of that. Thank the you, two high school paths. And you're yeah. told, like, by different, like, there are a million different ways to read it. And they're like, well, the way you heard it was wrong. You're like, I don't, Saying, I don't know. Did I care then? Because I don't now. <laughs> Pick a different one, please. Give me another Robert Frost poem, Dagnabbit. I don't know. But anyway, on to the actual discussions here that we do hopefully care about. Hopefully, I mean, you're <laughs> listening, so I imagine you you either care about us or you care about the discussion. I'm thankful for either. Both, hopefully? I don't know. Yes, either. Today, we are going to wrap up our brief discussion on how Christ is present in all of the scriptures. That was a little two-part miniseries that we were doing, and this is it. This is the finale, so to speak, of the the (laughs) miniseries. So we uh, covered the big one, typology, in a previous episode. Today, we are going to cover direct messianic prophecy. Mm. So, whereas typology was a more shadowy and veiled form of seeing Christ in scripture, messianic prophecy is more or less right in your face. Okay. It's kind of like right there. Yeah. Like a quick right hook of prophecy. Whoa. Boom. It catches you off guard. It, it does. <laughs> it's right there. It's like, this is impossible to miss. So, here's a quick definition of what this term is. Messianic prophecy is a prophetic form that predicts the coming of the Messiah. So, it's exactly what it says. <laughs> yeah, that's really That's it good. It's kind of superb. I'm, hey, I'm fine with really that. like it when definitions, when words tell you what they are. There is no hidden, you know, the yeah. Latinate form, of course, is exactly. none, of, none of that here. So, straightforward enough. Now, these Messianic prophecies typically cover different aspects of Christ's life, his ministry, his death, and so on and so forth. So, you do have to sort of form them into a composite picture, but all the pieces are there if you're looking at them that will give you kind of the whole Christ, so to speak. So, ideally, does this mean you could kind of create a cohesive of timeline, or at least like the broad strokes of Christ's time on earth with just these prophecies? Yeah, I think you get those broad strokes. Yeah, I think that would be the key term to use. Yeah. And then obviously even they're not like necessarily in chronological order. You know what I mean? Oh, you that's got, like, true. Yeah. You got Isaiah saying some things over here. You've got... So you really wouldn't be able to have a definitive... Right. You wouldn't know until you had met Jesus 
he had died, resurrected, ascended back into heaven, and then looked back at those prophecies. Oh, now we can gather them all up, so to speak, and see how they fit together. So really um, for them, it was just a, it was just a collection. Yeah. So it was kind of like uh, a really cheeky analogy here, but like having a puzzle box and uh, all the pieces, and then Jesus comes, and you're like, oh, there's the picture. Yeah. Now we can put the pieces together. So yeah. Now, I don't think that most people struggle with that particular part of it. In other words, when a Christian reads Isaiah 53, for example, and they read about this suffering servant who is despised and rejected, who bore our grief and sorrows, who was crushed for our iniquities and whose wounds brought us peace, who will make many to be accounted righteous. You can't get away from that. <laughs> right. like, if you're a Christian reading that, that can't be anyone else. That has to be Jesus. Can't be anyone else, at least not in the biblical canon. Let me say yeah. it that way. Uh, well, of course, we get this insane interpretive advantage just living in the now, in the right. time that we do. But it does make me wonder, just in contrast, what it would have been like then to just let your imagination run wild of what that could... I mean, to be fair, we we do kind of know what they ended up expecting and the picture of Jesus that they kind of like yeah. <laughs> got wrong. Yeah. But I mean, aside from that, like I feel like there had to be this very special brand of wonderment, very exclusive to that time. Yeah. Like possibilities endless. What could we dream of? What could yeah. this do for us? Exactly. It is interesting that you bring that up because then all their dreaming it was like, <laughs> oh yeah, he was born in a... Stable in oh. in a cattle stall. He slept. Oh, wow. Mary, not Roy. And what? And he's you know? not. And he's a baby now. Yeah. Like and what? Been the how heck? many years does he gonna get started anytime yeah, soon? Like, and then he comes and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, my kingdom's not of this world." Like, <laughs> you know? yeah. so you have oh. all that. So. I think where uh, the difficulty might come in for us today, even with the advantages that we have, mm-hmm. and this is, of course, what we're going to talk about for the majority of this episode, is when a messianic prophecy seems to be fulfilled in someone other than Christ, as oh, you're reading the text. That is inconvenient. Yes, yes, it is. And uh, I remember the first time like that ever really dawned on me, and I was, I mean, it was kind of freaky. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wait, no. Like, what's going on? You know, because that was just not a concept that I, I had in my head, and then, of course, you know, I, I read more and, and learned more about it. And uh, so anyway, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about here. So I think it would be helpful to give us an example of this. So mm-hmm. that we're not just talking out in the ether. When God speaks to David in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13, he says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, on a gut level, just with those words, as a Christian, I think we're like reading that and saying, establish his kingdom forever. Uh, that has to be a reference to Jesus. Sure. You know, I mean, he came from David's body and all these things. That's got to be. If there's one principal character we're going to refer to. It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus, right? Except that in the immediate context here, it actually seems to be a reference to Solomon because David quotes this oath to Solomon as David is giving him final instructions. So even David seems to be thinking, oh, this is in some way a reference to Solomon, my son. Interesting. So yeah, the question is what gives, you know? Is this about Solomon or is it about Jesus? And the answer I would give is yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So reading that, I I do feel the toss up. Like if we weren't having this conversation now, I'd probably be thinking, yeah, I'm guessing Jesus here. With, yeah. an, with an asterisk that it could maybe also apply to a nearer descendant in, in the timeline. So it would be a guess and a shrug. <laughs> Not a ton of certainty, but sort of like, yeah, probs, probably. That's a, that, that meme, Zac Efron. Zac Efron, shrugging, exactly. Shrugging. Yeah, Jesus, Solomon, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> 
So here's the thing about messianic prophecy. There are what you might call, for lack of a better term, levels of fulfillment. And I do hesitate to use that exact term because I think that gives you weird connotations. But here's what I mean. In the immediate context, yes, God is telling David that one of his soon coming sons will build the temple and all will go well for him and and so on and so forth. However, and this is where typology sort of merges with messianic prophecy, Solomon can be looked at as a type of Christ anyway. So in other words, these specific words could be applied to both Solomon and Jesus because Jesus is also the offspring of David and he does establish God's kingdom. So I guess I'm just trying to say one does not need to cancel out the other. Yeah, it's just simply true of both. Right, yes. In fact, you will more richly understand Christ's wisdom and kingly office by looking at Solomon. Like, you get a shadow of Christ's wisdom, right? That's what Paul says in Colossians, in Christ are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge and things to be known. And so Solomon is just kind of pointing you that direction. Again, I'm just remembering Jesus himself said, you know, something greater than Solomon is here. Like, I, I am wiser than even Solomon. So he was just a type of me. So... My primary point here in saying all these things is don't be thrown if you come across a passage that you're sure is full of messianic prophecy that's explicitly talking about Jesus, but then later on the scriptures seem to indicate that that prophecy was fulfilled in someone else. Okay, such fulfillment does not negate Christ's fulfillment. So when Jonathan Edwards said it was your fault if you get it wrong, just know that you might be right. (laughs) It might be a yes and. (laughs) Yes, it might be. And perhaps this illustration will help, because I think this is the the underlying thing with Messianic prophecy. And I can't remember where I first heard this, but it stuck with me, and I'm guessing it was probably one of my professors at Liberty. But imagine you're looking out at a range of mountains in the distance, okay? Got this, this big old mountain range miles and miles and miles away from you. You can see their sharp points against the sky very clearly, right? You can see the rise and fall of the mountains. And if you're standing on the ground miles away from them, and you've never, you know, you're, you're unfamiliar, let's say, with this mountain range, they will look like just one consecutive mountain range, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you won't see levels of depth, so to one, speak. One silhouette of a range. Yes, one silhouette of a range, right? That is all you're going to see. But... Let's say you were in a helicopter and you were hovering over those mountains. You might see that there are actually several ridges all spread out, some like closer to, say, where you would have been standing, some farther away. But you've got this multiplicity of ridges that extend outward. And that is actually a picture of, let's say, how the prophets would have seen their prophecies, right? They're in the Old Testament standing on the ground looking at a single mountain ridge, right? They see it all running together. They can't distinguish between different ridges. Mm -hmm. We're in the age of the New Covenant. We're looking backwards. We're kind of in the helicopter, so to speak. We can see how, oh, Solomon fulfilled this oath at one ridge, but then later there's another ridge line where Christ fulfills it. And so that's the sort of principle that's kind of taking effect here with messianic prophecies, which also explains in part why they were so misunderstood by the people of Jesus' day. Yeah, for sure. I think we do look back with a sort of um, chronological arrogance sometimes, (laughs) right? You know, and we're like, how could they miss it? It was so obvious, you know, (laughs) all these things. And it's like- Idiots. Yeah, but like not really. I mean, think about how often the disciples had to be told that they were misunderstanding. I'm going to be honest. I frequently sympathize with them. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, man, I'd be asking 
asking the same questions. <laughs> I would be there with you. If, if that was the time in which I lived, I'd be like, what? Yeah. And then imagine how confusing this is. This is something that occurred to me when I was reading yesterday. Jesus spends all this time speaking in parables, yeah. like unclearly, very mysteriously. And you're like, what do these parables mean? And then suddenly he completely switches gears. He's like, the son of man must suffer, must die, must be rejected and must rise from the dead. And you're like, Jesus, I need some. Yeah. Like, is that a parable? Like, is this a parable? <laughs> what is this? Like, what is like, what's going on? And then, you know, you've been chastised so often. Yeah. For I will never like, ask again. I'm not asking, you know. I think I'd at some point invent a hand signal that just yeah, like, clued him into that I'm still clueless. Yeah, like, hello, you know? Jesus, please. So when you're thinking about the people in Jesus's day, are you looking for a great king in the line of Psalm 2? Or are you looking for a suffering servant in the mm-hmm. line of Isaiah 53, right? Exactly, yeah. Are you looking for a man in royal robes to take the throne in the name of David? Or are you looking for a humble man with no form or beauty that you should admire him, right? Like, which one is it? Like, oh, golly. Well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. So until Christ ascended, they couldn't see those different levels of fulfillment. They couldn't see the different ridge lines. But then in Christ, all the prophecies actually make sense. We can look back on the puzzle pieces, so to speak, with the image of Jesus, and we can form them into that composite whole that gives us who Christ is, even in the Old Testament. So... Yeah. That's messianic prophecy for you right there. Not too rough. Not too rough. In a nutshell there, there is obviously way more that could be said. Much, much more. I'm sure. Infinitely more, really. But, you know, this is a podcast, so exactly. you know what you're here for. This isn't a seminary lecture. <laughs> what do you want from us? <laughs> An infinite podcast. Infinite podcast. We just set up a live stream. It just <laughs> follows us all our days. That would be... Ooh, that's rough. Not fun at all. No prophecy about that. Well, as always, thank you for listening. We hope that this episode was helpful to you. And if it was, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, it'd be great. It would be great. You know, I prophesy that... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not even going to joke about that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No, if you do, if you want to leave a review, share the word with your friends, that would be great. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can always email us, podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can interact with us on social media. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.